This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rock M Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score. This is your Auburn Week edition of BTBS. We are going through the season, whether you like it or not, and Missouri's got a tough road tilt against a struggling Auburn squad that has not fired the coach yet, but it's getting close. BK, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Optimistic BK is back. Can't wait for this weekend. Uh, I will not be with Nate, unfortunately, for the wrap-up show this weekend. Unfortunately for him, not so much for me. I will be in sunny California where I will be watching the Tigers on West Coast time, which I gotta be honest, gonna take some adjusting to watch football at 9am. Can't decide if I love or hate the idea of it, but it could certainly be worse. So... Uh, I'm back. I apologize. I got a few different tweets this week, Nate. I don't know if you did as well, saying basically this is the most depressing <laughs> podcast I've ever listened to. And that's saying something considering I listened to your recap show on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but here we are. Uh, it's It's been an unfortunate start to the season. Here's to hoping Missouri can bounce back. And while optimistic, I'm pessimistic about that on Saturday. So here we go, baby. Let's do this. Let's talk 2023. BK is running away from this football team. He's going to go hang out with the lip hippies on the left coast and, yeah, uh, right. you know, not really watch the game. Yeah. No wonder he's such a good mood. Jeez. Um, I can tell you from experience, uh, and this will be backed up by my Navy bro. Shout out Adam, shout out Felipe, that football at 9am is the best way to watch football. Uh, and the late games kicking off at five is perfect. Cause then you have your whole night ahead of you. Um, and specifically to Adam, he has lived on the East and West coast. He says West is best. So, that's for your for your information. Uh, waking oh, up, putting on a robe. Yes, the worst is the East Coast. Yes, like there's that, that is indisputable. I think optimal viewing is probably like Mountain Time. Yeah, I I think that's what I've come to the conclusion of. Especially like I know that this is a college podcast, so Saturdays are more our thing. But starting NFL games at 11 a.m. and then finishing them by 9 p.m. that's perfect <laughs> that yeah. that seems right to yeah. me so yeah well thank god we're not on the east coast and condolences yeah. to all of you who are uh why did you do that move away so um <laughs> hey we got some breaking news boop, 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 boop. we got a schedule for the 2023 season it is it's is so bizarre to me bk just on a random side note here why do they do this in the middle of the season, why don't they dedicate this in like May or some slow time? Do you? It do is weird, right? Like it, it, you would think that they would want a day for this at some point when college football is not in the news, like June. What is what is happening in the college football season in June? Nothing, basically, right? Why not just drop this then? Um, I I don't really understand it. And it's not as if they have this like completely finalized. Missouri still has a TBD mm -hmm. on the schedule right now. A uh, little foreshadowing there. So I, I don't know why they wait this long to do it. I 
it, it doesn't make sense to me, frankly. So I'm with you on that. And this also is a Nate Edwards fever dream schedule. So I'm excited <laughs> to discuss it with you. <laughs> well, let's let's tell everybody what it is in case you haven't taken a look at it yet. Uh, obviously, the, the, the kickoff times are not going to be determined until we get closer to 2023. So we all know that. You have a pretty good idea that Arkansas is going to be on Black Friday and it's going to kick mm-hmm. off in the morning. Okay, cool. But other than that, we're all pretty much up in the air on how it's going to go. So season starts 11 a.m kicks yes just just get ready uh the season starts the 2023 season starts mind you this is the one that we've circled as the Drinkwitz breakthrough season that will start on september 2nd for now it's saturday to september 2nd i don't know if they'll move this to thursday or not but it's going to kick off with south dakota south dakota heavy not south dakota state uh for reference point the coyotes uh and and bill c's sp plus for fcs they are currently ranked 26th in fcs 42nd best offense 15th best defense so just fyi so that's what the season's going to start off with south dakota at home then remember when we're supposed to go to middle tennessee this year well they're going to come to austin's dead september 9th middle tennessee comes to furrow then kansas state comes to columbia the very next day so that's saturday september 16th or the very next week i should say then we hit the tbd it is tentatively scheduled to go to memphis that is a favor from from way back when but that's no that's not going to happen uh the the talk around this game is that missouri has been trying to move it to st louis to play it at the dome at the bank of america center I don't know if Memphis is going to be on board with that. I don't know if this is a, you know, oh, Texas, surprise, Texas and Oklahoma are here. I don't know if this is, we're looking for just another home game. But right now, TBD, penciled in, is at Memphis. We'll see where that goes. Then Saturday, September 30th, you get into the SEC schedule. You go to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. The next week, you return home to host LSU. Uh, Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers. Then you go to Kroger Field in Lexington at Kentucky on October 14th. South Carolina comes to Columbia West on October 21st. And then you have a bye week. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight games. And then you have a bye week. And then you're at Georgia, Tennessee at home, Florida at home, at Arkansas. BK, initial thoughts. Yeah, I hate the beginning of the schedule. Like, that's my initial thought is like we we just totally differ on this. I like learning things about my team early in the season. You like winning. Uh, Those are very different um, outcomes of what you're getting out of games. Uh, They should be doing a decent amount of winning early in the season. K-State is obviously going to be a big test. We saw the results of that this season. It's at home next year, so at least they're eligible to win that game. That'll be nice. That is nice. Um, But I, I just... South Dakota, Middle Tennessee, probably a TBD that is not. I don't think that's going to end up being Memphis if I had to guess. I apologize for the dog in the background. Um, If I had to guess on what that's going to be, it's going to be a lesser type of an opponent. So I don't think you're going to learn it under the first four weeks of the season. I would prefer to have better teams up there, but whatever. I know I'm fighting a losing battle there. What are your thoughts? Let's start with the the beginning portion of the schedule. Your thoughts on that? I think it's... uh... Perfect. No notes. I like wins. The goal of playing sports is to win games. This schedule is set up to let you win games early. Obviously, the Kansas State game, as we have seen, is far from a certainty in any direction, but that is going to be a test. That's going to be an actual test. They will be without Adrian Martinez and a couple other difference makers like Deuce Vaughn, but still, it's a good program. But you go FCS, terrible G5, peer program. 
that is about the most perfect ramp up to a season that you could ask for. And you should be leaving that first fourth of the season, that first 25% at at least two and one. Then you got the TBD, possibly Memphis, whatever Vanderbilt, the worst program in the sec, which it is improving. And then LSU, which is in flux. We will see how much flux exists at the end of this season slash beginning of next, but you get them at home. That is another good slate. You should be looking at two and one once again. Go to Kentucky. If you if Eli Drinkwitz is here, you're not eligible to win that game, but that's fine. And then you get South Carolina at home, which again, toss-up game, peer program. You should win that one. So, I mean, instead of having the, the win taken out of the sails in week two, it's going to happen in week three. No, I'm kidding. You can have it happen later, is my point. And you can actually build up a couple of wins and break in this team gradually instead of throwing them to the wolves on the road in week two and grow, oh, you're crap, and also no more motivation, no more no more excitement around the program. So I, this is the kind of thing that you like. What I don't like, and this, this, is, this is where it gets tough, is that all your tough games are on the back end, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, mm-hmm. Arkansas. Even if Missouri improves, you could very realistically see a one and three or or zero oh and four finish to the season based off of whatever happens through the rest of this year and beginning of next. I'm not going to make any prognostications because we haven't even finished this year. But closing with your toughest games, now you should be a season team at that point. But that that's going to be a tough road to haul, and certainly you don't like getting out of the season on a losing record. But uh, those last four games are are that's going to be tough. I would also just add, like, I I know a lot of people looked at the schedule this season and said it was daunting, and I'm sure there will be some that do the same about next year. This is just what it is to play in the SEC, man. Like, you look at what their schedule is next year, you've got a Power 5 non-con opponent, but otherwise, I mean, and it's at home. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's it's not the most intimidating non-con schedule. And then you look at the, if you were to play an SEC slate, I mean, this is about as advantageous as you could ask for. You know, you've got LSU and Arkansas from the op- opposite side of the division. It's not as if those are two world beaters in the SEC West. Now, no. could you get easier? Sure. Yeah. But those are two that you would probably pick out of the litter. And it it's just never going to be easy playing an S- SEC slate. So... Um, I think this is fine. I don't have a huge issue with anything about it. I know I complain about the early season, not knowing anything about my team. If it was up to me, like I would play 11 pack power five opponents, but I also understand that if it was up to me, Missouri would probably have an over under a four and a half next year. And that's not ideal either. So this probably meets it in the middle in the way that you would want as a Mizzou fan. Cause it does have some quote unquote, easy wins on the schedule and also allows you an opportunity to um, come up with upsets along the way. I think the problem is that as I look at the slate and you're right, it is way too early to be going down and trying to prognosticate. I don't have as much optimism about Mizzou in this upcoming season as I wish that I did. Oh, sure. And that is a reflection of where we're at with this team currently, but Mm -hmm. it's also frustrating because we talked all off season as we were, optimistic genuinely about the future outlook of the team mm-hmm. about how 2023 was the year that it should start getting turned around that's where this is progress next year is about the results and i'm not super optimistic about the results but there's a lot of time between now and then and there's a lot of time to try to improve the team between now and then as well absolutely yeah i mean three games in last year we didn't think the defense was ever going to be fixed and towards mm-hmm. the end of the year run defense figured it out so i mean crazier things have happened it is tough to take 
25% of a season and projected forward, like I said. But yeah, I mean, if, if Missouri was 3-0 and at this point, yeah, we'd probably be feeling pretty good about this schedule and they're not, so we're not. But I don't know. I, I like it. At first glance, I like it. I'm really curious what happens on September 23rd. I don't know if that is ended up going to Memphis or it's a St. Louis thing or whatever. Oklahoma or Texas surprise shows up. Uh, I don't I don't know. But for now, it looks very manageable. And that's what you want. Um, you know, to have to have I like that ramp up. FCS G five power five. You might not learn a lot, but you're going to get a lot of live reps, which is what I'm looking for. And uh, if those guys can gel and, and and get acclimated back into football playing shape just in time to face off against a peer program at home, I feel pretty good at that. So uh, I'm not going to give you any record. Like, I'm not going to say it's eight and four, seven and five, whatever. Uh, way too early. I will okay. just say that I like it. And yeah, pulling LSU and Arkansas from the West oddly enough, is one of the better ones. <laughs> and maybe an Ole Miss, it would even, you know, those three are the ones that you're looking for. So not too bad. Uh, and maybe, hey, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe Tennessee actually stinks. And, and that last that last four games won't be so, I don't know, just whatever. Um, so there you go. There's the schedule for next year. We'll just move on from there. Other news that happened is there were depth chart changes. Oh, yeah. The hero is here, and I can't promise that he wears a cape, but I can't tell you that he doesn't because I've never seen him on the football field, really. Let me unfurl the scroll. We have so many changes. We have, <clears throat> number one, punting change. <laughs> Jack Stonehouse, the punter who took over for Sean Kading in the middle of last week's game, is now your starting punter. <laughs> yeah. That's plus touchdown. That's got to be a plus touchdown from Missouri right there, right there. And then we've I mean, got... By the, I think the betting lines actually moved with that news. <laughs> I, I called be. up my guy. He said Mizzou was a, whatever, six and a half point yep. underdog. Yep. Uh, now they're a seven point underdog, so that's good. There you go. So, <laughs> hey. And then we've got, uh, looks like our backup right guard is now Mitchell Walters at the or spot. Woohoo! Yeah. We've oh, got, yeah. <laughs> Everything's changing now. Uh, what? Why, why are we doing this, Nate? Uh, I'm, I'm not even like, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but I, I don't love the fact that Mitchell Walters has, let me check notes real quick here on the season. Oh, let me scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Oh, 30, 30 snaps so far on the year. And uh, and now we're we're throwing him out there. That, that's yeah. Weird. Yeah. Okay. He was in one game last year, had two, two snaps in 2021. And then he showed up in Louisiana Tech as an extra tackle for for a play, and then he had some snaps against uh, K State and ACU. So yeah, thirty snaps over three games. He is uh, that's the change that we're looking for. Now let me, let me let me see if we got any other changes here because uh, I know I unfurled the scroll that had to be for a reason. Uh, nope, that's it. Those are the only changes. Well, they're looking for their best five offensive linemen, and they they found that they might have had them. They found a sixth. <laughs> they found a sixth. Know, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but uh, they, they might have already had the five best offensive linemen. Now, I, I do want to add as a another bit of an update, uh, apparently Hyron White was at practice this week. Mm -hmm. Now, I make quite literally nothing of that because we have no idea if he did anything during the actual practice time because that's, you know, when the media is not allowed to watch practice. But he was out there. He did have his pads on. So I'm happy to see that in a worst case scenario. It means that maybe he's going to be able to play football again at some point in his career. 
Um, it, it didn't seem optimistic surrounding his injury, whatever it is, the mysterious injury that he has that nobody wants to talk about, but it's, it's a good thing that he's able to get back on the football field. And that dude definitely, like if he was able to get back in a hypothetical scenario, he definitely helps them. If he's back to anything approaching what he used to be, he would be in that five best offensive line to conversation. Well, yeah. But is a 60% higher and white better than a hundred percent? Exactly. No, pro- probably not. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I am, that's why I said at the front end, like I, I make nothing of it. My expectation is that he still does not play for Mizzou this year. That, yeah. that would be my expectation. And if yeah. he does great, that's gravy. But right now, the guy that is actually probably going to get snaps is Mitchell Walters. And we have no idea what to expect from him because he's seen no playing time outside of really garbage time against mm-hmm. Louisiana Tech and Abilene Christian so far. I did, I did find it really weird. I don't I don't know jack squat about offensive line blocking, but I did watch him when I went back and, and watched the ACU game. And for the snaps that he was in, I, I know this is a thing, like not cut blocking per se, but like blocking low, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the rules around that have changed from last year to this year. So I know it's a little bit different, but I'm telling you, Mitchell Walters, when he was in at guard, did not like, he didn't engage his man straight up. Like the three snaps that I could clearly see him, he would just fall over <laughs> like a big ass tree, just fall over <laughs> and like try and just impede the, the interior line movement. I don't know what the purpose of that is. I, I've seen that for like short yardage situations. I've seen that uh, like a screen situations. I have not seen that in like just standard run block. I don't know if he's like too tall or like he just, he slipped and fell three times. I don't know. It was just really weird. Uh, so I, Mitchell Bedby, I don't know what you're doing. You seem to block pretty well on the on the outside for Luther Burns touchdown that I that happened right in front of me. Like you you're doing a good job blocking there. I just I don't know what it is. And Connor Wood is good when he's not committing holding penalties. So I mean I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. And I don't really think it's anything at all. It's just, hey, we found a sixth guy instead of finding our best five guys and Okay, that's what we're going to roll with, I guess. By the way, for those that are curious, so how large is this uh, this tree that he's talking about? It's uh, six foot eight and 330 pounds is what he is listed at. So uh, for an offensive guard, large individual, to say mm-hmm. the least. Yeah. And then for reference, Bobby Lawrence, who is the biggest offensive lineman, is 6'9", 331 pounds. So. Zuri's not lacking for length along the offensive line. They lack for a lot of things, length not among them. <laughs> I mean, you remember Barry Odom's offensive line recruiting strategy, just bringing the biggest dudes possible. That's what he did. So that's a holdover of that. Okay. So, yeah, I guess that was it. Just the two changes on depth chart. Really glad we covered that. That was excellent. (laughs) Excellent content. This is usually a time where we revisit the last week's game and talk about a couple more takeaways. Mm -hmm. No. Optimistic BK is back, baby. We yeah. don't need to do that. I don't. I don't want to make plus, him sad. Let's be optimistic about the Auburn game instead. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we haven't lost that one yet, so we can talk about it. So I, I I dropped my my opponent preview for Auburn today, and um, here's here's the biggest takeaway: Auburn is Missouri with a better defense. Mm-hmm. Their offense is um, Bill C's SP plus. They're like 0.6 deviations away from each other, so they're basically the same offense from a quality standpoint. The difference—they I mean, probably got a better quarterback, right? Well, no, no, you would, something you wouldn't think. But TJ Finley, the massive six-seven quarterback who has been taking all the snaps as QB one for Auburn, 
apparently got a shoulder thing happening. So backup quarterback, backup quarterback, red lights flashing, highlight, uppercase letters, backup quarterback, Robbie Ashford, who came from Oregon, uh, is slated to be the starting quarterback for Auburn. Now, he can scoot. He's kind of a more mobile guy, not the most accurate passer from what everyone in Oregon said. So we get another Adrian Martinez sitch. Uh, But, like, Auburn, they can run the ball really well. They cannot pass it very well, and they if they fall behind the chains, they completely fall apart. So it's Auburn. It's Auburn, right? It's like, again, Missouri can't run the ball. And is overly reliant on explosive pass plays. So, like, they they are quality-wise, they're similar, but stylistically, they're completely different. And then on the defensive side, Auburn is one of the best teams at shutting down the run. Oh, goody. Oh, goody good. (laughs) They are also a complete liability when it comes to defending the pass. And like I said, Missouri's offense does the best work when Dominic Lovett and Luther Burden are catching the ball through the air. So, I have no idea what to make of this game. I don't know what the mentality is of Auburn. I really don't know what the mentality of Missouri is. Brian Harson is, you know, a couple of like one bad game away from getting getting fired because his AD got fired at the beginning of the year. Um, but then again, you know, is Missouri really the team that goes into Jordan Hare and wins on the road? We've talked about this. If you're on the road, you're not eligible to win. That's how college football works, right? So I don't know, man. It's uh, it's two very evenly matched teams that play very different styles, and I just. <laughs> I just don't know what to make of it. Was it 2018 when Missouri went on that run of getting a bunch of coaches fired at the end of the season? Uh, 17 or 18. Was, yeah. Who it was. Tennis. Bielema was fired. Was that the Tennessee when they fired? No, that was Dooley. That was further back than that. Yeah. That was back in 12. Um, God, wait, Bush. Was no, fired. no. Was that Butch Jones? Was yeah, Butch, Butch Jones, Jones got fired, fired after that game? Butch Jones. Got okay. Fired. So there was that run at the end of that season where Mizzou got the head coaches fired there briefly. I I feel like this has a potential to be that. And this is one of the things that I would like to Missouri Missouri to get above. And I don't know that if I don't know that they ever can, because just historically speaking, Missouri is not the same program as most of the other teams in the SEC. But I would like Mizzou to get to a place where they are no longer seen as, hey, if you lose to that team, you need to fire your coach immediately upon landing uh, back into your hometown. So that that would be nice. However, Missouri's not there, very much not there right now. And it's like not out of the realm of the possible that what happened to Brett Bielema at the end of the Arkansas game where he was fired as he was heading back into the tunnel, mm-hmm. that, could, that could absolutely happen to Brian Harson at Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday if... Missouri wins. Now, Nate, what is your level of confidence that Missouri can actually accomplish such a thing on Saturday? 26 By the way, I, I might I might add, I might add, uh, this game is indeed on the road based on my, my crack research team. I put them on that earlier this morning. They said, yes, indeed, uh, Missouri is on the road in this game, yeah. which seemed relevant. Yep. Not, not, you can't win. Can't win on the road. Because <laughs> it's not Vanderbilt. So, uh, I believe... Yeah, Bill C gives them a 26% chance to win. That sounds about right. Missouri has been outscored under Eli Drinkwitz on the road 358 to 212. Hmm. Seems bad. <laughs> it's not good. Do you know what that is on at home? Uh, I would have to go through to check that out. Um, I'll tell you. I can't I can't imagine he's been outscored anybody at home. <laughs> I mean, I just that doesn't seem like 
think think of all the games that he has played. The biggest margin of victory. Yeah. Was that SEMO? The fifty to twenty twenty something? Like and then Georgia shows up on your schedule every other year at home. Yeah. You know, Tennessee boat raced you at home. Like I can't imagine he's got a positive uh, scoring margin when it comes to the home slate as well. So I mean, Tennessee was at home last yeah. year. Yeah. So, so like, that, I just that didn't help. I don't. I. This seems weird. Is has Eli Drinkwitz just been outscored his entire career at Missouri? Because <laughs> he only he wins squeaker games, or at least he did in twenty. Doesn't really blow anybody out, and then gets you know detonated in losses. I bet he's got a negative scoring margin if I had to guess. Probably, yeah. I mean, he's a 500 coach, but some of that is because he's been pretty good overall in one-score games in the the first few years. Um, now, some of that is magic, and it, it's not sustainable, but um, that's that's kind of what Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. So, in 2020, Missouri scored 304 points and gave up 233. Okay, so that's a plus... 71. And then in 2021, Missouri scored 378 points and gave up 440. So that's a minus 62. They're minus 101. Minus 101. Mm -hmm. In -hmm. his three years on campus. So that's that's not what you want. So you're counting the games. (laughs) You're counting Kansas State. Okay. Damn. That stinks. <laughs> that's that's bad, Eli. <laughs> that's bad. But 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 maybe maybe they get back in their winning ways on Saturday, Nate. Maybe, maybe. Forty-one nothing is his best win. That was Vanderbilt in twenty. They're plus forty-seven at home. Okay, I'll take that. Okay, good, good, good. I'll take that. Good, good, good. Um, again, you're not eligible to win, but this is not an unbeatable Auburn team. There's a very specific way that you can win. You saw it at Penn State last week. Knock him off schedule, make him panic and throw, Oh, and then score, which Penn State could do. I'm not sure if Missouri's able to do that, but I don't know, man. It just seems like, you know, we're talking about the changes on the depth chart are is, you know, a backup offensive lineman and a punter. So clearly they think that this this is the best you got. So, okay. What's your what's your best position group right now? Wide receiver, right? Without a doubt, maybe on the entire team, certainly on the offense, wide receiver, because you got Dom Lovett and you got LB three. Okay, what's your worst unit on the team? I think that's easily tight ends. We can we can all agree on that. So five wide. I know you got six receivers that you trust. Five wide, spread them out. Let Brady Cook uh, run, and <laughs> when he can't find anybody open, make them commit a defender to stopping him. And then just sling the ball around and hope to God that it works because trying to run against this team is just a recipe for for disaster. Yeah, it, it's interesting because like I, I heard Gabe Diarman mention this earlier today as well. Uh, tight ends for this team just don't exist. They, they they don't do anything useful for Mizzou. They aren't matchup nightmares for the opposition the way that they're supposed to be because they're not bigger, stronger, faster than the guys that they're going up against, especially in SEC play. Like you're going to have linebackers that are just more athletic than Missouri's tight ends. They, they're fine matching up in a base defense against Missouri's tight ends. So are you better served with like 
any of the guys that you would line up at tight end. RIP to my boy, uh, the horse. I, I don't know what's gone wrong there. I, I'm very sorry. I, I might have led you guys astray there. I, I, hopefully, he'll get better at, with time. Um, whether it's adding in another like sixth offensive lineman, putting Mitchell Walters at a de facto tight end spot, <laughs> whatever, like go for it. I got no issues with it at this point. Right. Go ahead and add in that extra blo uh, blocker. It sure. doesn't really help you with the numbers, but whatever. Sure. Again, I, I don't care. Um, throw him out there. Or if you just throw another wide receiver onto the field, I'm fine with that. You want to go more four wide, spread them out, get yourself more easy passing lanes, more quick passing game going for uh, Brady Cook. Fine. Great. Especially in a matchup like this. Get creative, man. Do something different. Because what Missouri did against Kansas State had no chance. No chance whatsoever. And Auburn, while maybe not as good as Kansas State, the defenses are probably, what would you say, Nate? Like, similar? Different in how they deploy it, but in their overall quality, fair to say similar? So, I mean, they both use a three-man front, which obviously Missouri's offensive line struggled with. Um, Kansas State's defense is ranked 13th. Auburn's is 30th. So, I mean, it's very similar. While Kansas State does rely a lot on Havoc and Auburn doesn't, the linemen and the product is very similar. So, okay. yeah. So, yeah, let, let's say slightly worse. You had no chance against K-State. The same plan is not going to work against Auburn. Right. It's just not. Right. Like, maybe instead of scoring 12 points, you score 20. That The likelihood is that's not going to be good enough in this game. So um, my expectation is that they will do something that is new and different and interesting. And if they don't, you as a Mizzou fan should be disappointed mm -hmm. because that's unacceptable. Um, so whatever that ends up being, probably something that we have not concocted ourselves in this uh, 28 so far minute mm -hmm. podcast. But hopefully Eli Drinkwitz has something that he can come up with that will work against this specific defense. Doesn't have to be consistent. You don't got to go out there and score 40 points. No. But you got to do something that's better than what it's been. You saw some of the Drinkwitz creativity against ACU. Yeah, hand it off to Luther Burden, flip it to Dom Lovett, flip it to Brady, pass it downfield. Mm -hmm. Saw Luther back in the Wildcat. Didn't work, but you you had it out there. It's something to look at. So he he remembered he could be creative again, which was nice to see. And you know if he's been if he's truly been you know giving us the okie doke and and hiding all that stuff for this game, then. Okay, that's fine. Um, please show it. Whatever you're holding back, please show it. Can I give you a theory, Nate? I'd love to hear a theory. You are going to see his best stuff this weekend. Why? His best stuff. Why? Going back to Auburn. Going back to where it all started. You got a lot of people that you want to prove. Hey, I got some tricks up my sleeve. I can really coach. Look at what I do with this talent that I've assembled at Mizzou. Um, just going to go out on a limb here and say, I, I think that Eli Drinkwitz, whatever his best stuff is in the offense, you will see it this Saturday at Auburn with every Auburn alumni, every <laughs> Auburn donor, every Auburn administrator and a coach on the hot seat all in attendance. Yeah. I think that that will definitely um, be shown on Saturday morning. Yeah. A little uh, soft. Just theory. Soft, tinfoil. soft job interview. That's all. You know. See how awesome I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, if it gets us that a win, that's fine. That's fine. Um, if Auburn, here's a question for you, Nate. Sure. 
if Auburn wasn't as tumultuous right now as it is, if there was no job security questions for Brian Harson and he wasn't a crazy person on the sidelines, would that change the way that you view this game? Like if they were just a competent team who was the exact same quality of team, nothing about the actual product on the field changed, but everything about what is going on off of the field changed, would that change the way that you're viewing this game? I mean, Does that make I'm, sense? I'm viewing this game as a loss, so I'm not sure. Okay. I, I would probably feel like it's more like a loss. The only reason I feel like there is a chance is because of what you're talking about, that the coach is yeah. kind of desperate and the players aren't dumb. They can see that. They can sense that. So I would, uh, yes, if they were competent and there was no uh, tumult, <laughs> I would I would probably just go ahead and lock in Auburn as a, as a winner. And because of Harson's uh, uncertainties, I that's – what's giving me fuel to have hope that this could be a, a rare road win for, for Eli. That's where I'm at. Yeah. If, if there wasn't all of this nonsense going on at Auburn, I would give Mizzou basically no chance to win this game. Like if I'm just being totally upfront and honest mm-hmm. because of all that stuff, like honestly, so Bill Simmons has always coined this, the, the Tyson zone where like anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Auburn's in the Tyson zone. Could, could Mizzou <laughs> win this game 42 to 10? Yeah. Like they could, it would shock the living hell out of me, but it, it would be the most Auburn thing ever to see back-to-back weeks where they finally saw like legit power five competition. They lose both of them and they got their butts handed to them in both games. And then they fire their coach on the field right afterwards and do something crazy like call Urban Meyer. And that's the report next week. <laughs> like that, that feels very Auburn-y. Yeah. But I could also see a scenario where Auburn plays an inspired game. They look perfectly fine this weekend maybe their backup quarterback gives them a little bit of a jolt of energy on the ground and then they end up winning this game they beat LSU next week because they're going up against the Jaden Daniels offense that is a very Jaden Daniels-y offense and then we find out that they're really not very good when they play against Georgia and Ole Miss and and Arkansas again so I think it could go either way which is to say man I have no idea what we're going to witness on Saturday I know it's going to be ugly but that's about it so I know Stephen Godfrey from Split Zone Duo. He is my college football uh, Sherpa. In the offseason, he even pointed out, like, there's a very realistic scenario where Auburn plays Penn State, gets pounded, Missouri jumps on the corpse, <laughs> and, yep. and Harson gets fired. He has amended that. He's like, Penn State did what they had to do, but I'm not sure if Missouri's in a position where they can win this game. So he's pointing more towards Georgia, which is next week for Auburn, um, where he gets fired. But I don't know. I Let, let me ask you this, BK. I personally, because of the uncertainty on Auburn and the motivation of Eli Drinkwitz, I don't think that this is a close game. I think it's a blowout in either direction. How do you see it? Would a 14-point loss for Mizzou be considered a close game? Yes. Because that's kind of what I think this okay. ends up being. Okay. Like, I'm not sure Auburn has the type of offense where they can really pull away. Um, that That's kind of where I've landed on this. I think Mizzou will get a couple of big plays offensively that even if they're not moving the ball for the vast majority of the day, 
it'll make the score look closer than the, it actually is. We're like Mizzou fans at halftime. It'll be something like this. At half, it's like 20 to 10 and Mizzou fans are like, man, that could have been so much worse. <laughs> like It feels like it's been so much worse mm-hmm. because Auburn is just consistently moving the chains. It's second and six. It's third and two. It's first and 10. It's second and six. It's third and two. It's first and 10. Mm-hmm. And so you're just feeling this as you're going and you're, the, the emotions are just draining out of you. There is no more ability to care by the end of the first half because half, you know what's coming. And then by the end, it's like 34-20, Missouri loses. They never had a real shot to win. And if somebody just looked at the scoreboard, they say, wow, that ended up being a pretty close game. But you as a Mizzou fan watching it <laughs> knew the whole time that there was never a real chance for them to take it. So that that would be my prediction as to what we actually end up seeing. That's fair. I Yeah, that's fair. I'm just tired of getting blown out. That's my thing. And this this can't be this can't be normal for year three of your rebuild, especially, especially with the way that you're recruiting, not that you're playing those guys all that much, but the, the concept is that you're moving forward and you should be getting past blowout city and losses. And I don't know, this is a good time to figure that out. So I don't know. We'll find out on Saturday. You won't, you'll be having a great time doing not, not <laughs> yeah. football stuff. Um, but any parting shots before you uh, leave and don't come back for two shows. So here's, here's my final question that I've got for you, Nate. If Missouri wins this game, mm-hmm. how does it change what has happened so far this season, if at all, in your mind? I mean, it depends on the win. Yeah. Like, if it's a 2014 Florida thing where Luther Burnham returns two punts and the defense picks off Ashford or Finley or whoever is the quarterback. So it's about the sustainability of what right, we right. Is it fluky? Is it powered by turnovers? Or is it just you smash them on both sides and, and got a 10-point win? Like, that's going to determine for me more than just a win-loss situation. What about you? Gotcha. I'm, I'm probably in the same area. I, I don't think that it would eliminate what happened at K-State. That was no. inexcusable, man. They, yeah. they showed a completely unprepared, and it was one of the worst losses that I could remember in, in a minute. Like, it's it's been a while since we've seen a loss like that when you had real hope or expectations of being competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of the way that I viewed that game, and it a win at Auburn wouldn't do that for me because I I think there are real questions about their emotional stability going into this game as well. Mm-hmm. The other problem with the way that Missouri schedule sets up is there's no ability to capitalize on any momentum that you gain this weekend nope. because it will be shot next week when Missouri takes on Georgia. Mm-hmm. And that is not any, any kind of a statement about Mizzou. It's a statement about Georgia. They have like the best offense in college football right now, Somehow, yeah. uh, which is just amazing considering that's paired with, if not the best defense, one of the best defenses in college football. So if it was flipped and instead of Georgia, you had like South Carolina or Vandy or even Florida, that following week, I think then maybe you could start to build a little something. But with mm-hmm. Georgia the following week, that seems difficult. So it, it would not change a whole lot for me, honestly. Well, that's good. No, so There's no need to put any effort in continuing the momentum because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, welcome to Missouri football. Cool. <sighs> that's the show for yeah, today. Yeah, optimism, baby. Yeah, we're all, all back. We're all back. 
Mr. Optimism. That's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nagy Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the rack on the flagship at Rockin' Nation and listen to BK on the radio, 101 ESPN, St. Louis, but not tomorrow and not the day after that. That's what we We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U.